We are doing uh, three parts to our sermon this morning, and I'm going to be kicking off the first part. Uh, to be honest, I'm just too excited about the baptisms coming up, so I almost just want to like, get through it really quick. But if you want to turn to Mark chapter 4, that's where we're going to be starting this morning. I'll give you just a second to get there. So in this chapter, Mark chapter 4, Jesus, he's by the Sea of Galilee, okay? And a, a big crowd comes to hear him. And so Jesus begins teaching. Do any of you have experience with public speaking? Okay, maybe you're a teacher, maybe you do seminars, okay, maybe you preach, okay? It, it can be pretty exhausting, can it? Okay, there, there's a lot of um, prep work that goes into what you're going to say, and it, it absorbs a huge amount of mental energy, okay, because it's, it's always playing around in your head, and uh, basically it kind of stays there until you deliver it. It's kind of a part of you. And then wh- while you're delivering it, okay, there's a lot of focus involved, uh, a lot of body language. And so anyway, su- such a big crowd comes that Jesus and his disciples, they actually kind of retreat a little bit, and they get in a boat on the shore, and Jesus continues teaching from there. And he teaches, teaches lessons through stories um, which are called parables. And so we have record here in this chapter of Mark four different parables that he taught, and, and I think it's likely that Jesus was teaching many more, but these are the four that, that we know of, that we have record of. Verse 35, when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. They left the crowd behind, and they took him him along in a boat just as he was. There were also other boats with him. And so so evening comes. Okay, Jesus, he's been teaching all day. And he says, let's go to the other side of the sea. Okay, Jesus is exhausted. And so they leave the crowds, and they start making their way across the Sea of Galilee. And for whatever reason, the author of the book of Mark decides to add in that there were also other boats with him. Now, Jesus, he, he drew a crowd pretty much wherever he went. A lot of times, the majority of the people showed up to see some kind of miracle because, um, you know, no, Jesus, wherever he went, miraculous things were happening, okay? The, the stuff that Jesus did. And so the majority of the people, they weren't there to, you know, necessarily figure out who Jesus was. They were there to see a magic show. And uh, so anyways, Jesus drew a crowd, but there were some people, okay, who knew that there was something different about Jesus, something unique, and so, so as the crowds were leaving, okay, people were going home for the night. There were some that got in boats and they followed Jesus and the disciples as they went across the sea. Verse 37, a wild storm came up. Waves crashed over the boat. Over the boat. It was about to sink. Jesus was in the back sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and they said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up and ordered the waves, the wind to stop. He said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Don't you have any faith at all yet? They were terrified. They asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now the the focus of this story is usually on the disciples and the boat that they were in. But they weren't the only ones affected. There were also other boats with him. And so Jesus, he he calms the storm. And out of this experience, a testimony was formed for the disciples. A further realization of, of who Jesus was and what he was capable of started to emerge out of this. Now, a testimony is something that is personal, but it is not something that is supposed to remain private. Testimonies need to be shared. 
How often are we focused on ourselves, not realizing that there are people right around us going through the exact same storm? How often when when that water finally settles and that calm finally sets in and you have that moment, that sigh of relief, and you celebrate, but you're still focused on, on what happened to you and you miss that opportunity to celebrate with those people around you. Our experiences and our testimonies, they have a ripple effect and that's why they need to be shared. With numbers comes strength. When you hear a testimony and you're going through a storm, it can be a reminder to you that you aren't alone. Can you imagine the impact that it would have had if during the storm, one of the disciples were to have yelled to the other boats in that storm and said, I have no idea what's going to happen, but what I do know is that Jesus is at the center of where we all are. Can you imagine the impact that that would have had? The hope. And so after the the water was calm, I, I picture all of these boats coming together. The adrenaline starting to wear off after their, their close encounter with death. And I picture them just hugging each other and just being so thankful. I'm going to invite uh, Tim and Rachel come up. Testimonies need to be shared. They have a, a ripple effect. And uh, so we're going to take a few minutes and uh, we're just going to hear a powerful experience that they had. I've, I've shared it a couple times, and so I guess I've never really heard, like, your point of view. And so many of you know that, that uh, Rebecca, um, who's sitting, <laughs> sitting there now, um, yes, she's chunky and everything else, but she came in with a, with a story and, and a testimony of just kind of seeing how um, God moved. And, and I don't know, do you, guys, you guys probably want to hear from Rachel, not me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Um, Well, Rebecca was born uh, May 20th, and actually you guys were in church, and I was over at the birth center, Um, and um, I had went into labor the night before, which was my due date, and I was very happy, excited, and we came over here to the birth center in St. Peter, and things were going fine with everything, but it was taking a really long time, Um, and eventually um, they discovered that she had turned breech during labor, and so, um, which is an emergency um, she had come in non-breach and then had turned, and they don't have the capability of, to deliver babies that way there, so I had to take an ambulance ride, which was interesting. Um, I had to be dragged down the stairs and taken to, by ambulance over to Mankato. Um, and in the end, she was delivered um, by emergency C-section. I was put fully under, which they don't usually do, but it was um, extremely emergent because I had been pushing for probably 45 minutes, and then they told me to wait, don't push anymore for like an hour and a half. So it had been really long, but through it all, her heart tones had remained really like perfect, which is odd because she was in distress. Turning breach is a sign of distress. So the midwife had been checking her heart tones, and um, everything remained good, which is a miracle in my, in my thoughts. And the midwife we had ended up, um, which we were on the weekend, so you get the on-call midwife. So it's not necessarily one that you pick. And it happened to be one that I knew was a Christian. And I thank the Lord for that because through all of that, she would pray with me. She would say scripture to me. Um, in the ambulance ride, she was you know, praying for the baby, praying for me, praying for us. And I think that that was the Lord's plan that I had Um, a Christian midwife who knew that I had faith in Christ and that I wanted 
um, you know, prayer to be a part of my birth for her. Um, when she was delivered, it was found that she had the cord around her neck twice. And so that's part of the reason she was breech. And um, it's really a miracle that she didn't have any deficits. Nothing was wrong with her. She was perfectly large <laughs> and chunky. And, um, but she came out just fine. They kept some monitors on her for a while to make sure she was fine. Um, but it was a very traumatic experience. And I thank God that um, I have the Lord that I have God, I thank him, because I don't know what people do when they don't have the Lord in those situations, and it's really stressful and difficult, and you don't know if your baby's going to live or if you're going to live, which I think Tim can share maybe his perspective watching um, someone go through that and how he had to deal with that. Your turn. Guys, give it up for my wife. Thank you, Rachel. Okay. So it's already dusty in here a little bit, um, but it's one of those things that, that when you kind of sit back and realize everything that God did, um, let me tell you, it's no fun to drag your, your pregnant wife who's been pushing for 45 minutes and now being told to stop, drag her down on a tarp downstairs into a, onto a gurney and into an ambulance, and then kind of feel helpless in chasing that ambulance down the road of going, okay, I don't know what's going on, I don't know what's going to happen. And um, in that moment, it makes you thankful for medicine because, I don't know, I, I feel like a few years back, maybe, um, I had a high chance of losing both my wife and my daughter that day. And so it just makes you thankful for, for God just coming together with, with medicine and having people smart enough to figure out that uh, all these things. And, and some of those details were like when Rachel's water broke, it actually broke high, not low. And uh, the doctors told her after, if it had broken low, her umbilical cord probably would have prolapsed and cut the baby off from all oxygen and blood. And so you look at God's hand in that of just going, none of this is by accident, right? Like none of this. And, and the only thing I knew how to do is, is when, um, one, I was speaking um, Joshua 1.9 into her ear because the entire time the nurses were saying nothing but breathe to her. And Rachel was like kind of saying afterwards, she's like, if another nurse told me to breathe, just breathe, I was going to punch him in the face, right? Like, <laughs> and, and it's just one of those things, like the only thing I knew how to do was Joshua 1.9, be strong and courageous from with you wherever you go. Be strong and very courageous because there was nothing else I could do. That, I felt pretty hopeless, helpless in that situation. I wish I could take it away from her, but I couldn't. And, um, and so you know, as she's loading onto the ambulance, the only thing I could do is I emailed our area director, Mike Amiot. I was like, Mike, can you let Kyle Nation know that we need prayer right now? And, and he did. And then I reached out to, to Mark too and was like, I need your guys' prayers. And, and it was actually on that, that Sunday, it was a celebration service. So I don't know what it is about celebration services, but the last one we got pulled away from. Um, but uh, in the end, it was, everyone ended up being healthy and safe and there's no side effects. And we just, I don't know, we just can't help but thank God in that. And, and she was our 10-pound, one-ounce bowling ball, um, the biggest that we, we've had. Uh, and so anyway, um, we just feel like that's a story that it can't keep to ourselves, right? Like we have to share just how good God is through that. And um, kind of as Zach said, and I love how he set that up, is, is um, we were actually reading through, through Mark 4, and we've been reading through Mark 4 in, at Sunrise Youth, and so we didn't coordinate this. Um, but I love kind of sometimes how God is more about details than we are, right? Like, so I've been kind of chewing through uh, Mark 4 uh, just with us as a youth group as well. But um, 
one of the things I didn't notice until we were in a staff meeting is Zach actually pointed out, did you notice that it says that there's other boats with them? And that was kind of an epiphany moment for me because I've always been focused on the disciples. I've never looked at the other boats. That, that when Jesus moves in someone's life, it doesn't just move in our life. It like, is supposed to splash to the other boats around us. Amen? And sometimes we're really good at staying focused on our life and staying focused on our circumstances. And we need to be better about making sure that when Jesus moves, that other people know about it. And one of the things that I've been thinking about is, is when that boat is out on the Sea of Galilee, there's 12 disciples with him. There's other boats looking in. And one of the things that I think about is, is four of the 12 disciples were professionals. They were professional fishermen. Do you, do you, like, kind of, like, I get this picture of, like, you know, like, things are starting to get a little bit dicey, and the disciples are like, got this. I've been out here every day, right? Like, I know the best fishing spots. I know the best times to fish. I know weather. I know how to handle a boat. Like, we don't need Jesus. Let him keep sleeping, right? Like, and I, I kind of envision the disciples kind of going through this, like, prideful process, and then all of a sudden, like, you know, the other disciples are, like, who aren't fishermen are like, well, hey, maybe we should wake him up. Like, right, like, uh, things aren't looking right here. And they're like, nah, dude, you don't know what you're talking about. We've, we were out here every day. Simon and, and, and my brother Andrew, like, we got this, right? Like, it, and then all of a sudden, like, the professionals start freaking out. Whoa, we might die. Right? Like, and then I imagine all chaos breaking loose. And, and, and the disciples just kind of like, okay, we finally got to wake Jesus up, right? Like, yeah, I'm glad he's had a nap, but it's time to wake him up. And, uh, and, and the interesting part is, is, is when the disciples go to wake up Jesus, they're like, wake up, we're about to drown, don't you even care? And I don't know about you, but that, that moment kind of resonated with me, with, with even our, our birth story of Rebecca, is like in the storm, it sometimes feels like God is sleeping in the boat, doesn't it? We sometimes question and wonder, like, Jesus, do you see what's going on? Do you even care? Do you know? Do you know what's going on? And, and and kind of as we, we drug Rachel down on that tarp, and as she was struggling not to, not to push the, for the hour and 45 minutes, and as I, I chased the ambulance down 169, you guys, there was a moment of going, I'm doing the only thing I know how to do, and that's ask for prayer. But bottom line is I had to start processing through questions of, God, am I okay if, if this doesn't end up the way that I think it's supposed to? God, can you move through this storm even if I'm okay with it or not? And I think in, in those times when, when the storms hit, we can get focused on the storm really easy, can't we? We begin to wonder things like, does anybody see what we're going through, right? Like, you guys were up here partying and, and having a celebration service, and it felt like life was on the line, right? Like, it's like, doesn't Sunrise Church know? Like, they need to come and pray for us, right? Not like, no, that's not what we were, we, we were kind of jealous that we weren't here celebrating with you guys. But we, we start asking these questions. Doesn't anybody see us? Do they care? Does God even care? Is he really even there? There comes a point when the storm hits, we have to wonder, is our faith in God determined by what he does for you or simply who he is? That's one of the things I pull out of this in Mark 4, 35 through 41, is the waves are coming over the boat they're crashing over. They think they're about to drown, and Jesus is sleeping. And when, then when he wakes up, he, Jesus immediately stands up and says, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? 
You guys, I used to read that as kind of like Jesus waking up a little bit grumpy and scolding them, right? Like, I was in a good nap. I was in my REM cycle, and you woke me up. I was being rocked to sleep by my heavenly father, right? Like, I kind of envisioned like Jesus kind of scolding them, but the more that I've studied this, that's not what he's doing at all. When we go through the storm, we focus on the circumstance, not God. Jesus is waking up and he's trying to teach them in this moment. What are you focused on? I'm in your boat. Is me being in the boat enough for you? I love that moment. And I never noticed that there were other boats in the water with them until Zach pointed it out. It was kind of one of those moments that it's like, when God moves in your life, it's not just about you. It's not just about us. It should spill out around everyone else around us. Amen? You guys, we need to get better at telling testimony of how good our God is. Those other boats and the people in those boats were just as blessed when Jesus stood up and said, be quiet, be still, as the disciples. And I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe you're going through a storm in your life and it feels like things are uncertain. I want you to know that Jesus wants to stand up and teach you through that storm. What are you focused on? Are you focused on the circumstance? Are you focused on the storm? Are you focused on me? I'm in the boat. Maybe it feels like Jesus is sleeping in your boat. I would just encourage you this morning to ask that question. Is Jesus in your boat enough? Because sometimes we don't know the circumstances. When I was asking for prayer, calling out for others to pray for my wife, as I was chasing her down 169 and and almost beat her into the, the hospital, I didn't know what else to do. I just had to rely on Jesus. I had to. And the awesome part was, is like now, like afterwards of, of hearing when they pulled her out, her umbilical cord was wrapped twice around her neck and once around her arm. That the, her water breaking high and not low is what protected her and, and, and saved her and kept her happy. But you guys, it was hard for me to see probably the strongest woman I know at the end of herself physically. I didn't know what else to do but pray and rely that Jesus, I know that you've got this somehow, some way. But it could have been easy to walk away and just be angry with God. God, how can you let this happen? I'm a pastor, for goodness sakes. We've given our lives to you. Why didn't you protect us? Why didn't you cover this? That's an easy perspective to have, isn't it? But instead, we choose to glorify God because we've seen him work and weave himself through that entire situation. So we'll just leave you with that question, and Pastor Mark's going to wrap up this morning, is, is, does Jesus feel like he's sleeping in your boat in the midst of the storm? And is Jesus being in your boat enough for you? It's interesting to note that Early on, beginning in chapter 1, and 2, and 3, that it was a wild ride for the disciples and for Christ. It started out with uh, him going to Peter's mother-in-law's house, healing her. Many coming, and it said that he healed 
all that came. It was just continual, just as it describes in chapter 3, how they came from Idumea, from Tyre and Sidon. They came from Jerusalem, from all Judea. If you look at the map, you begin to realize that people were coming from all over, miles and miles, because they heard of the testimonies about what Jesus was doing. And it didn't matter to them how long it took to get there. They wanted to see with their own eyes what was taking place. Even to the point where you begin to realize at the end of chapter 3, as he, he calls his disciples to send them out, and it says that so many people were there, he didn't have time to eat, that it said his family came and said, he's out of his mind. How do we know it's his family? At the end of chapter 3, it says his mother and his brothers were calling. and said, hey, tell him to come out here. And Jesus said, you are my brothers and my brothers. Anyone who does the will of my father is my mother and my brother. How would you like that? Your own family looking and saying, he's out of his mind. So you can imagine the turmoil and all the things that he's going through as he's teaching because his own family is, is dissing him, you know? And so there's a, a weariness because he was all man and all God, wasn't he? And there's a weariness that he has. And so this little bit of sleep that he's dealing with is probably good for him. And as Pastor Tim pointed out, you know, there's always those that uh, kind of step up and say, I've got this. No problem. Four guys that had spent their life on the Sea of Galilee that knew every nuance of that body of water. Storms were common. They'd had that happen many times. Their boats full of fish to the point where it's like, are we going to let this catch perish or we're going to get it in? They found a way. So these guys, they're kind of probably looking at this thinking, uh, you know, all these other boats with us and all these other guys, you know. <laughs> they're shaking in their boots. Man, we got this. This isn't a problem. And all of a sudden, the reality hits, we don't have this. All of a sudden, reality hits us and we realize, I don't know what to do. And I love it because <laughs> it says they wake Jesus up and they say, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Don't you care we're dying here? Now, if you look back and you read chapter 1, 2, and 3, and you see all the things that they'd been aware of and seen Jesus do, it should have been really a ridiculous question because, I mean, this is Jesus. He was healing the sick, he was casting out demons. I mean, this was Jesus. Do you really think that he didn't care? But sometimes it happens, doesn't it? Sometimes the storm becomes so big in our mind that all we can see is the storm. And sometimes even storms, no matter how small they may seem, there's trauma from past storms. We have a term for that now. It's called post-traumatic stress syndrome where we're in distress because we're remembering what happened. And it's like we're trapped in the past, thinking this is going to be worse than it ever was. God broke Jeremiah's heart because he wanted Jeremiah, his prophet, to understand the state of Israel, his people that had turned away from him. 
And so you read in Jeremiah, and then in Lamentations, it's called Jeremiah's Lament, where he is weeping because God breaks his heart for Israel. And as you read that, you begin to wonder, man, is there any hope? I mean, he's a prophet that's broken because he sees and feels God's heart for a lost people. And Jeremiah, in chapter 3, says this, Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Out of the midst of a storm where Jeremiah begins to wonder, is there any hope for a people that have walked away from God? It's like the Holy Spirit just quickens and he says, through the Lord's mercies we're not consumed. That was visited here in chapter 4. That was visited here because at the end, as, as Pastor Zach you can imagine these guys coming together and they're going, whoa, that was awesome. Did you see him get up and say, peace be still? Wasn't that cool? And, and they're just kind of high-fiving going, oh man, this is, wow. Remember when they really like that? And they realize, wow. Through his mercies, we're not consumed. Yes, there was a time there when they wondered, does he even care we're dying here? But afterwards, it's like, wow, he does care. It's one of those passages we need to remember. Oh, thank you, Lord, that your mercies and through your mercies are not consumed because your compassions, they don't fail. They're new every morning. <laughs> My friend, every morning they're new. Every morning there's a renewing that God is revealing himself to you and saying, I am here for you. Then he says, great is the faithfulness. Great is his faithfulness towards us. Amen. You know, a lot of us struggle because we're consumed by all the storms. And I just want to tell you, my friend, there's three stages this morning, and we're all in three stages. You've either come out of a storm, or you're in a storm, or you're about to go into a storm. I know you're saying, thank you for encouraging us, Pastor. <laughs> but my friend, that's reality. It's life. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You see, and the reality is Jesus wants to let us know he is right there. And yes, it may, be seem, it may seem to us that, that he's sleeping. And there may be times in our, in our moments in the storm that we're crying out saying, don't you even care? But he does. He does. Most of you know that last week I was in Illinois preaching at the church I formerly pastored has asked me to come back for their mortgage, mortgage burning. And I had a chance to speak to, he's a former board member, actually he's a board member, he's actually going now to school to become a pastor. He's a guy that early on in my ministry, he didn't come, and when he came to church, he laughed and scoffed and said, this is such a joke. And then God got a hold of him. And then Something changed, and he would come to church, and he'd come up and say, I'm going to burn. I'm going to burn. I'm going to burn in hell. <laughs> he kept saying that because he was convicted over and over again. Every time he came, and he said, I don't even know why I come anywhere. I get so convicted, I'm going to burn in hell. Finally, he just surrendered to God. 
And in the midst of that, he was diagnosed with lymphoma. He went through some incredible, I mean, here's this guy, he's a big strapping guy, went down to 98 pounds, just thin, his hair was gone. He came through that, don't. It's incredible to see that. Through that, his sister came to the Lord. A lot of his family came to the Lord. I got news just beginning of last year that he was, had lymphoma again. And they said, this time, because of what happened, because your body is so weak, we don't give you a lot of hope. And I, I didn't know... How to even talk to him. I kind of for a long time didn't call him because I was like, what do you say? So finally I went and called him and goes, hey, Pastor Mark, how you doing? I said, well, I'm doing good, but, you know, how about you? He goes, oh, man, you know what? This is awesome. I went, what? He said, you know what? I'm just looking forward to seeing how God's going to do it this time. It's like, man. And he talked about just the storm he went through and how his wife was at the place of really giving up and just kind of setting herself to try to help her kids through the loss of their father. Because she's at the point of believing what the doctors are saying, that there's no hope here. And he said, uh, yeah, a lot of the nurses and doctors thought I was out of my mind. In fact, they were going to call a psychiatrist in. Because during when he was in the hospital and he was sequestered in his room, he would get himself out of bed no matter how weak he was, and he would walk around just with his hands in the air, just praising God and thanking God. And finally, a nurse came in and said, you know, I need you to get in bed because you won't want you to collapse and, you know, and break a bone because your bones are so brittle because the chemo we've been giving you and, and your bone marrow, we're just zapping it because we have to do anything we can just to, to get rid of this cancer. And she goes, I have to ask you, are you Okay. He said, yes, I'm okay. What are you talking about? She said, well, I've dealt with a lot of cancer patients, and most of them are just grumbling and, and moaning, and, you know, I mean, they're just so focused, but you're, you're just, like, ignoring it. And he goes, why would I focus on that that is bringing me pain? Why I can focus on the one who can heal me? And he asked her that question, and it, and it stunned her, and she said, I don't know what to think. Are you crazy or do you really get this? <laughs> Since then, he has had a chance to talk to that nurse, and she's still just complexed by this whole thing. It's like, what's going on? And here's this guy that have defied every glimpse of what the doctors understand. And he's completely whole today. In fact, he came back as the children's pastor, and now they're running more kids in kids' church than adults on Sunday morning. You know why? It's because of his testimony. <laughs> and we need to understand that maybe you're in a place and you think that in this storm, you know, if, if you kind of put on a strong front, if you kind of, maybe like those four, say, I got this. I got this. You, you put up a strong front and people say, oh man, look how, how strong they are. Look, look at the kind of faith they have. Would you let go of that facade? Would you let go on the inside just say, Lord, thank you that I know you're there. I'm struggling with this, but I thank you I know you're there. Do you know why? Because it says when we humble ourselves, God gives us more grace. 
And my friend, God's grace will lead you through every storm. Because it's by God's grace that we're saved. And it's by God's grace we come out on the other side that we share the testimony that I thought I was forsaken. But I belong to him. And I'm whole because he made me whole. You see, it doesn't matter what the storm is. It doesn't matter what form it comes in. The promise is he will never fail. His mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. But the key is this. Will we humble ourselves? James says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. It's the promise of his faithfulness. If you humble yourself and say, Lord, thank you. I don't have this, but you do. I put my trust in you. So speaking of putting trust, now we have the fun part of the service. We have two people getting baptized this morning. Uh, two people that are coming up and saying that they are all in with Jesus. It's a public declaration, a public celebration. And so with that, I would just encourage you that, that when we dunk them, death the old self, and we bring them up and they have new life in Jesus and, and just declare that publicly, can we get as loud as we possibly can for them this morning? Can we, can we do that? Okay, so, so in uh, the first, first guy this morning, um, Tyler Willer, if you want to stand up, um, you guys, you guys pro- probably all know Tyler, and, uh, and Tyler just, uh, I don't know, a few weeks ago, he's like, um, I've never been baptized, and I was like, what? Like, you're like super Christian. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, but if, if you know Tyler, um, one of the joys of having Next Generation um, ministry is seeing young men like this pursue Jesus with everything that they are. And so I just want to encourage you that, that this is somebody that this is, we hand the baton of faith off to somebody like Tyler. That when we're gone, when we move on from this place, when we're in heaven, because we're a lot older than Tyler, including myself, that this is a young man that I wouldn't be honored to hand the baton of faith off to. And so this morning, Tyler is, is declaring that he's all in. And so Tyler, why now? Why, why now do you want to be baptized and, and go public with this? So around 12 years old, I gave my life to Christ at a Choir of the Fire concert. And since then, I've always been the three-quarter Christian. Never just all over to Jesus. But uh, January, was that Salt? Yeah, January Salt Conference with Chi Alpha. Uh, He rocked my world there. And since then, I have been... I don't know, going all in. And uh, part of that was um, being baptized. And I've never wanted to be baptized just because other people say, hey, you should be baptized. You should be baptized. And uh, I, wanted, I wanted God to tell me, all right, it's time. It's, it's your turn. It's time to be baptized. And that is why I am standing here today. And uh, I'm Tyler Willard, and I'm all in. I now baptize you. (laughs) He can't quit being a tech guy. I now baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Why do you want to be baptized this morning? Because I want to follow the Lord. Come on, that's good. 
Mariah. Are you all in? Yes. All right, come on down. <laughs> we'll, we'll get you warm after this. You want to stay in here a little bit longer? No, okay. <laughs> Mariah, you're all in, aren't you? You're going to serve Jesus all the days of your life? Good. Mariah, upon your confession of faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God is so good. I'm going to ask the brethren in our service if they would get ready at this time. As we come to the Lord's table this morning, maybe you're going through a storm. Maybe you're here because you're at that place of desperation and saying, you know, God, unless you show up, I don't know how much more I can handle. My friend, God is there. He knows everything you've been going through. You know what? When it seems like he's not in control, he is. He is. And it's that same message that he gave through Jeremiah. Through his mercies, we're not consumed. We live in a world that is troubled with sin. There's a weight, there's a heaviness. It's because man has made his own choice to shake the finger at God and say, we're going to do what we want to do no matter what you say. But it says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to everlasting life. And it tells us in Revelation that the accuser of the brethren comes. You know why he's called the accuser of the brethren? Think about that. He accuses the brothers. So when he's accusing you, let it be a confirmation that you're a brother in the Lord. Otherwise, he wouldn't be accusing you. Turn it back on him. Turn it back on the enemy and recognize, you know what? Thank you, Father, that through your mercies I'm not going to be consumed because your mercy and your compassion are new every morning. Every morning. And there is no greater demonstration of his love then Jesus gives his life for us. Brethren, would you come? So if that's you this morning and you are just struggling in a, through a storm, as we partake this morning, would you just cry out to, to Jesus and say, Jesus, thank you that you're here. Now humble myself. I humble myself before you. And I receive that grace to bring me through. Because you know what? On the other side of this storm, there's a testimony that's going to encourage someone else. It tells us in Revelations, they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. You see, we're called to encourage one another all the more as we see the day approaching. It is an encouragement because other people 
are going through storms maybe that you've been through. Other people may have come through a storm and you're about to, to go into one and, and you hear that God sustained them. He brought them through. I want you to remember something. If you've ever been to the mountains, you realize the mountains are beautiful. But you know what? On the top of the mountains, it's kind of barren, isn't it? You know where the growth takes place? It's in the valleys. That's where things grow. That's not a coincidence. That's why it says, humble yourself and he'll give you more grace. Because he wants us to grow. And as we're going through that valley, it's his grace that's sufficient for us. It's his grace that will carry us through. It's not your expertise. It's not your experience. You know, the very faith you have is a gift from God. You didn't do anything to earn that. God gave that to you. That's why it's so important that we humble ourselves. That's why it's so important. We say, Lord, I put my trust in you. Would you do that this morning? Would you in that place say, Father, I recognize I don't have this, but thank you that you do. Amen. As you partake this morning, let's remember Georgia Jackson. Georgia is an abbot Northwestern blood clots in her lungs. We just pray and believe for healing. Don Foster's at home, struggling with uh, shortness of breath, with heart issues. I'm going to know that our God is able. Amen? Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that you loved us so much that you came in the form of man You took upon yourself all of our sickness, all of our disease, all of our sin. And Jesus, you bore that on the cross. And you reminded us that by your stripes, we were healed. And Jesus, you went through some things that we could never imagine. But you did it because you loved us we loved you before we even trusted thank you for your love thank you that you demonstrate that and you desire to demonstrate that again and again that your word reminds us that father your mercies are new every morning and great is your faithfulness so right now we lift up Georgia we ask God that Lord you would just be with you. your presence God would be there in such a tangible way and we speak to you you blood clots and say you will dissolve in the name of Jesus you are under the feet of Jesus you've been taken care of at the cross as touching Don Foster we speak life and breath now in Jesus name Thank you that there is no distance too far. That, Lord, your word said you sent your word and healed our disease. Father, we come in agreement with what your word declares about us, what you have said about us. 
and we say yes to you. Thank you, Jesus, that you allowed your body to be broken for us, that we might be whole. So we give you thanks in the name of Jesus. Let's partake of the bread together. After supper, Jesus took the cup and he said, this cup represents a new covenant in my blood that is shed for you. Every other covenant was broken because of man's inconsistencies. How many have failed this morning? You don't have to raise your hand because you know what all of us have. But my friend, God never fails. That's why Jesus came as the only begotten of the Father. And he shed his blood as the covenant because the covenant that he, that he would make would never be broken. It's not something we can earn. It's only by grace. Are you thankful for that? Are you thankful for that this morning? Thank you, Jesus, that you shed your blood that we might, that we might be forgiven, that we might be set free from the power of sin and death. So we say yes to you, Father. We say thank you, Jesus. Let's partake together. Let's stand together. Oh, what a mighty God we serve. Amen. Just a moment, we're going to dismiss and we invite you to come back into the fellowship area and just to fellowship with us and rejoice. But if you're struggling this morning and you need someone to stand and pray with you, I'm going to be right here. I'm going to ask a couple of the deacons if you'd come and just prepare. You know what? He is faithful. And maybe you kind of feel today like he's sleeping at the stern of the boat. And you're wondering, don't you care? Yes, he does. Because through his mercies, through his mercies, we will not be overcome. His compassions are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Father, we just thank you. And we say yes, God, to your word. And Lord, this morning, if there are people that are going through a storm, God, today, may they just humble themselves, God, and allow you to give them the grace to go through. Thank you that, God, you have something for us on the other side that's so much better than we could ever imagine and could ever think. Thank you, Father, that, Lord, in the midst of it, Lord, that you are still there, that you are faithful. So we just give you praise for that and we say yes to you. Lord, reveal your mercies. We open our heart, God, to become aware of what you desire to do in us. And Father, we look forward to the testimony we have to declare that our God is faithful. So we thank you for it and we ask in Jesus' name. And everyone said.